0: With Mr. Beacon, our purpose is to allow you to hear directly from the people behind the companies that are making digital to physical convergence happen and bringing IoT to life. Brian Dunphy is a great example of that. He was there right at the beginning of the Beacon ecosystem at Qualcomm through Gimbal, and we've taken the opportunity to catch him just as he's moving to a new company, Verve, to get his perspective on the Beacon system and also his insight into Verve, who are a company that is growing and successful and actually making money out of the Beacon ecosystem in the realm of advertising. We hope you enjoy it. So Brian, this is the 50th episode of the Mr. Beacon podcast. I can't think of a better person to have on the show. I can't. Imagine why we haven't had you on sooner. Thanks so much for joining us on, uh, on the Mr. Beacon podcast. Steve, I'm
2: honored to be here at a milestone event like your 50th. That's, that's awesome.
0: So Brian, I was thinking that if business development people were rock stars, and in many ways I think they are rock stars, you would be like the Elvis Costello of the of of, <laughs> of the Beacon business, the Context business, the Beacon system, whatever you want sideburns? to call this. It's not the sideburns. It's because you have just you've worked with so many different people. You're like Elvis Costello, Burt Bacharach, Paul McCartney, are just a litany of people. Annie Lennox, and you have. Work with some amazing companies. I can't believe that you started life as a PwC uh, auditor, but you did. And you've you spent a long time at Qualcomm doing some pretty amazing things, developing uh, incredible partnerships with uh, people like Major League Baseball. And uh, you did the original Beacon deal uh, uh, for, with Apple, which was pretty cool. Citibank, South by Southwest. So um, there's just an amazing set of experiences you've been through. And so what I want to do today is talk about your latest gig, which is at a fascinating company called Verve, based uh, just up the road from San Diego in Carlsbad. So let's talk about what they're doing. But also, I'd love to get your perspective at this kind of transition time about the proximity location ecosystem as a whole.
2: Yeah, so I joined Verve uh, recently, and Verve is one of the leaders in location-based mobile advertising, They've been in business since 2005 and one of the pioneers in actually location, location-driven advertising. So very early on, they, they realized that the first-party data signals that you can get with location insights can actually drive um, behavioral insights to drive much more contextually relevant advertising which results in a higher performance where consumers are interested in the advertising that they're, that they're receiving, more likely to act upon it and click on it and engage with it, which results in higher CPMs. So what, uh, what excited me about, about Ferve was not only their, their being in the business as long as they have, is their vision on IoT mm-hmm. and how uh, all these location signals, whether it's coming from GPS or, or Wi-Fi or Bluetooth beacons, and now, of course, visual light communications, NFC, whatever whatever the IoT signal that's being admitted, those are all precise signals of, of location and, and potentially um, behavioral interests of, of mobile users that opt into mobile apps for um, having more, more IoT engagement. Now, a lot of the signals that come out of that are you're You're getting billions and billions of 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 um, events that are happening on on a daily basis mm-hmm. if you have scale. And the challenge is how do you make sense of that? and what what really I liked about Verve was their investment in data science. They've got a very large data science team that analyzes the data insights that are happening from these location events and to help advertisers and and their app publishers to build profiles and audiences about who the different segments of people that are, um, how they traverse in the world. And that in itself drives um, a, a much higher value to the advertiser at the end of the day.
0: So give us a few metrics to get a, so we can get a sense of how, how big Verve is.
2: Okay, so uh, Verve's two hundred and fifty employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've got offices headquartered here in in San Diego and Carlsbad, uh, New York, uh, Denver, San Francisco, Chicago, uh, and a presence in in, uh, in the UK as well. And uh, from a um, from the size of their addressable audience for for advertising, they have over two hundred twenty five million uh, device IDs that they're able to engage with for, for mobile advertising. Now, they have an SDK that goes into, into, um, into their application partners. So over 5,000 premium apps have got the Verve SDK incorporated in it. Uh, and over 50 million monthly active users are, are seen by the Verve SDK. What that is doing is generating over 250 billion location events per month. So extreme, ex- extremely large scale in both the reach of, of their addressable audience that's out there across these diverse mobile applications, as well as the amount of location events that are, are being triggered. For example, the average daily active user that, that has the Verve SDK is generating about 50
0: location events a day. Wow, so uh, that's huge. Um, and I do want to get into a little bit more of who the customers are and what they're getting out of it and so forth. Um, but uh, under the covers, you uh, you guys bought a, a beacon company, so there's you've got beacon hardware, Roximity, right? That's yeah. right.
2: Roximity is one of the early pioneers in, in the beacon space when we were coming out with beacons when I was at Qualcomm starting Gimbal. Uh, the Roximity guys were... Uh, starting uh, their company out, out in Denver and had a very similar philosophy that beacons combined with geolocation, with geofences and, and Wi-Fi could be a powerful engagement tool and similar philosophy around uh, security on, on beacons and that they needed to have secure access so that um, unauthorized applications couldn't uh, access them. So. Uh, I was very excited when I joined the Verve team to uh, partner up with the Roximity guys, and uh, I've been aware of them since 2013 when we first met at South by Southwest at a Beacon event. Uh, Great guys.
0: So part of it, one uh, part of it at least, is this Beacon thing, and it sounds like you're doing kind of the conditional access, the rolling IDs so that um, only it's pay-to-play, so uh, there's, you're, you're protecting privacy and only the folks that are supposed to access the beacons can access the beacons, is that correct?
2: Correct, and I think it's important because you hit on a, on a few key points there. One, privacy is, is, is the most important thing that this industry needs to embrace. Consumers need to be opting in for these services um, and the applications that are being able to access these beacons need to have permission from the beacon owners, because these beacon owners are putting things these these devices into their high valued locations, whether whether it's a retailer deploying beacons inside of their, their store or whether it's a a stadium owner putting beacons inside of their their, their, their stadium, the, this high valued real estate they can't be hijacked by by any any third party application that can see these signals. So it's very important to have a security model that enables digital ownership of uh, the, the, the device so that the beacon owner can have um, control of who's seeing it and, and privacy around the data that's, that's being transmitted off it, uh, as well as from the application publisher standpoint, having the right permissions uh, for consumers opting into um, beacon technology and location enablement.
0: So one of the things I'm really interested, just occurred to me to ask you this is how Verve has kind of got over that bootstrap problem of having critical mass of beacons in order to do location-based advertising. Because one of the things I think when we first started looking at this business back in the Qualcomm days was um, advertisers don't just want to advertise in one city. They, They want to do large campaigns that are broadly... Uh, deployed across lots of venues and lots of locations. So uh, clearly Verve is, is big uh, and you're doing a lot of business. So I'm assuming that you don't have beacons absolutely everywhere. How do you overcome that that need to do, to, you know, you want to have advertising that is triggered based on precise location, which is something that beacons give. And yet, I don't think anyone's really achieved the nirvana of having beacons everywhere. No one
2: has achieved the nirvana of having beacons everywhere, and I think one of the one of the challenges and one of the things that I have in hindsight now is a more um, desire to be focused in where where you're using beacons and what you're, you're driving uh, beacons into into locations. Because one of the things that first excited me when we we brought beacons into the market back in 2012 and 13 was. The exponential number of use cases that that beacon technology enabled, mm-hmm. um, and we were very focused on the experiential side. But one of the things I've I've grown I've got a larger appreciation for now today after doing this for so many years is. The experiential side takes a lot of work, mm-hmm. and it, it, it's one thing about you know, triggering an engagement inside of an application, whether it's sending an offer to a consumer at the right time or enabling a mobile ordering solution for a quick service restaurant to work uh, or to have a VIP be recognized when they walk into a stadium ballpark, but all those are really cool experiences. Behind the scenes, there's a lot of work that needs to go in to get that deployed at scale Mm -hmm. and for that to work. You've got to have the workforce that is working inside of that retail store understand how that experience now works with their analog processes. Mm -hmm. Same thing with inside of a stadium, now if you're dealing with a quick service restaurant's mobile ordering solution, there's a whole set of back office systems and other um, environmental challenges that aren't appreciated. where I think Verve is focused is around leveraging beacons initially for attribution, retargeting, behavioral analytics for the uh, app provider and the, um, the brand that is deploying the beacons, but really kind of narrowing the use case, embracing experiential um, capabilities on it, but leaving that to third party solution providers to, to build those out. But from an initial ROI standpoint, attribution and retargeting capabilities really are, are where the, the bread and butter for, for Beacon technology with, with Verve lies because they can now leverage the location engagement, what their macro location technology platform is doing using geotargeting um, from cell tower to GPS and, and Wi-Fi signals um, to augment that now with, with, with beacons So we can now say, we know you were influenced by an advertisement that encouraged you to go visit a particular retailer in, in San Diego, uh, uh, near Carlsbad, and that you actually showed up inside of the retail, uh, uh, retailer's location at, at, at the mall because you, you crossed that, that geofence. So we know um, where you were first influenced and where you arrived, but with a beacon now, we can actually get inside the store and say that person actually walked in the store and, and potentially even walked up to the product shelf if the beacon is deployed there.
0: There's never been a faster
2: or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you.
1: Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
0: So, you've said a lot of really interesting things there. I want to un- unpack a few of them, summarize them. Um, you know, one thing that. So, Verve is successful. You, that's really clear. And you're doing something that a lot of people have tried to do and, and not achieved. And it sounds like part of the secret to success is say, acknowledging that beacons are great for experiential things. But it sounds like what you're saying is, sure, you know, we can use beacons for uh, also, you know, where's the nearest restroom in a, in a stadium. But that's really down to the stadium app. And what you're fo- you guys are focusing on is is essentially the ad network piece that you can use the same beacons.
2: Yeah. And, and, and really, it's, it's to help Drive the ROI and the business case for broader deployments of, mm-hmm. of these beacons, because most of the beacon deployments that have happened over the last few years have been through the innovation budgets of these companies. So you'll hear, you'll you'll see a good press release out there about uh, a great experience over at Barney's in, in New York. Mm-hmm. And that was that was a great article, but that is one that's one store, it's their flagship store in in New York. That's probably hit the 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 innovation budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, how to get that broadly deployed out across all all locations? The CIOs of those companies and the CMOs need an ROI driven use case that can actually say, we're, "We're this is driving results right now that are measurable for us to invest in in the deployment." Because it's not just the cost of. Of these beacons, which have come down considerably, you know, you can get them now for less than than than, uh, than five dollars, and you can mm-hmm. get them at a, at a few dollars here. That, uh, but it's not the cost of the hardware, uh, the actual deployment, the building out of the application, uh, the user experience, and then training the workforce personnel on on this new user experience takes a lot of time, and and that will happen. I think we always like to tell. Uh, clients about when you're looking at beacons, do a crawl, walk, run mm-hmm. approach to it. If you're crawling and you want to get a ROI-driven use case, look at attribution, look at retargeting, and look at just the, the analytical insights about how often users come to, to uh, particular locations inside of your venue, uh, how, um, where, how they got there, what was, the, what was the consumer journey inside of there, mm-hmm. um, and what, what, what influenced them to get there?
0: Got it. So what I'd like to do now is just uh, wrap up a few last questions about Verve and then then let's talk about the state of the beacon ecosystem, proximity and location more broadly. So uh, I just want to make sure I'm understanding the flow of money, uh, who gets paid what in in the Verve business. So you have all these publishers, a large number of publishers who've got the Verve SDK in there, and then you have brands that are advertising, and then you also have venues. Those those are kind of like the three... Legs of the of, of the triad, mm-hmm. and so presumably I'm Heineken, I'm Coors or uh, Estee Lauder, and I, I want to buy advertising. Uh, I would work with you guys. I'd buy ad units or, or whatever. I'd pay for the targeting, the targeted ads, and the attribution, and then you share money presumably with the publishers of of the apps. And do you share uh, money with the the venues as well, or is it just with the publishers?
2: Uh, so, the business model we work with. Um, we've got a number of, of teams that work across the ecosystem. Uh, we have a media sales team that works with the the top um, national brands, Procter and Gamble, Pepsi, mm-hmm. the likes, and the major agencies that um, that support the, those brands. Uh, they're the ones that are are looking for uh, the audiences and, and 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 providing the advertising dollars to to reach these consumers. Uh, we. We um, we then partner and, and deliver the advertising through our uh, publisher network, uh, reaching the audiences that they're looking to reach in the specific locations that they're they've asked us to to target those users, and and we share the the, the media uh, advertising dollars with the with those publisher partners. We also have a model where we uh, provide a white label uh, solution where um, the Velocity platform that a uh, Brand that has a lo- that has a local sales force that is out there selling uh, local mobile advertising and, and local digital advertising, where they could basically use the, the Ver Velocity platform and uh, and use that as their mobile advertising powered uh, engine as more of a white label type offering.
0: Okay, so there there are some companies that kind of go to folks that have beacon infrastructure. Say I've got all the beacons in Times Square, pretty valuable bit of real estate. Can I work with you guys to somehow monetize those or is that just not the model that you use?
2: No, actually my view, and and I think the, the view of, 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 of Verve's leadership is, yeah, we, we acquired Roximity and, and Beacon, and, and we have a Beacon hardware solution that we, we can offer directly. But I think the overall Beacon ecosystem is gonna to need to move to more inter- interoperability between the pr- 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 proprietary Beacon networks in order to provide that that reach and that scale thats um, that the brands are looking for across these, these dif- different beacon networks that are out there. So if somebody has a beacon network that's deployed across Times Square or across any major retail location, mm-hmm. we'd definitely be interested in talking with them about how we could partner up to help drive more more um, uh, advertising and attribution uh, across their their, their their beacon networks. Because I think in order for this to really scale, and take it to the next level. Uh, we're going to need to rely on a number of different um, hardware manufacturers and beacon network providers that are out there to proliferate scale across all the high-valued, high-traffic locations that that consumers are spending their time in.
0: All right. So, um, last question is uh, about SMB. Uh, and um, you know, I, I when we first started in this business, I kind of envisaged this dashboard that. Uh, someone who's running a restaurant or a small business could go to and they could leverage this location-based advertising uh, infrastructure and system. And I noticed it seems like you guys have taken a step towards that. Uh, does that Nirvana exist? Is there a dashboard that I can go to? A bit like like with Facebook, you can go to Facebook and you can place Facebook ads that are locationally uh, targeted. Is that something that you guys offer or is it more of a kind of speak to someone and they'll put this campaign together for you?
2: So our, our, our approach going after the s and market is, is leveraging the uh, Velocity platform I just mentioned, the white label offering. So um, the enterprise sales team that is out engaging with, with partners for deploying that or is working with companies like YP, Velasis, who have local sales forces that are out dealing with these SP um, um, uh, customers and giving them the local scale and reach to be able to do deliver mobile advertising and drive people into the, the local business areas. So that's our, our approach to how we tackle SMB is going after partner providers that have boots on the ground that need a mobile advertising platform like Velocity.
0: Got it. All right. So um, you've kind of just taken a step from, from Gimbal, which is well known for its Beacon products. And you've moved to another company that has Beacons, but they're more kind of under the covers uh, in a way. It's not like Verve is um, pushing itself as a Beacon company. Um, what's your view of the health of this Beacon ecosystem? How's it going?
2: So the Beacon ecosystem is now... Four years in, mm-hmm. maybe five. Uh, if you look at 2012, but really 2013 is when beacons really started to get deployed and and, and mainstream. But if you if you study the hype curve of, of technology evolution mm-hmm. and and adoption, um, there was a lot of hype for the first three, few years. Beacons were the new shiny object, and everyone. Uh, everyone had to have a, a beacon strategy, had to be doing beacon pilots and was testing all kinds of different use cases. And all of the beacon providers that came out, uh, and there were a lot of them in the, in the first few years, uh, had a lot of hype, set a lot of expectations of what beacons can do. And, and they can do all this, but the challenges I said earlier about just in, the integration challenges and all the back office systems and getting personnel and consumer adoption. That all takes time. Mm -hmm. So I think where we're at in the hype cycle curve is really at this trough of disillusionment Mm -hmm. where a lot of the CIOs, CMOs of of major brands have like, ah, we tried beacons, it didn't work out, we didn't see the ROI. Um, That is no different than where other emerging technologies in mobile kind of went through their hype life cycle. If you look at location-based services, it took it nearly a decade before it became mainstream in the United States. Mm-hmm. When, when I was at Qualcomm, we, we launched with, with Brew, location-based services in 2001, uh, and it took off in Japan and Korea. But it wasn't until uh, apps like Uber and, and, uh, and, and Lyft and Google Maps started to really kind of require consumers to have location on all the time that um, it became more mainstream. So this decade of LBS, kind of certainly had its life cycle of, oh, LBS is going to be the greatest thing. But it it, it, certainly in 2003, 2005 in the U.S. was at a trough of disillusionment. Same thing with Wi-Fi, uh, acceptance on mobile phones. Most consumers, when they first got Wi-Fi, turned it off. Mm -hmm. They thought it was a battery drain. Now, if you look today, everyone's got Wi-Fi turned on because the operators are encouraging it. It's saving your data rates. Um, It... uh, it's, it's connecting to all the connected home uh, technologies. So I think with, with beacons, we're at that trough of disillusionment, and, it, and it's been because it really hasn't hit the scale of meeting the ROI for the investments that need to, um, to be made for not only deploying, but sustaining and maintaining a, a beacon-based strategy and, and network. So what you're seeing now in the industry is a lot of consolidation, and I think you're going to see more of it. You saw you know, the merger of the mobile majority and, and Gimbal. You saw Verve acquiring Roximity. Um, HID
0: and, acquired Blue Vision. Blue yep, Vision. that's right. Um, and uh, uh,
2: Aruba made their acquisition a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to see more of this consolidation that's happening because if you're just a standalone uh, beacon provider, it's going to be difficult if you don't have um, more of a complete solution that is able to um, monetize and provide uh, the the full end-to-end value for a enterprise that is looking to deploy to deploy beacons so again it goes back to I think now interoperability is going to be really important partnerships uh, between between companies and you're going to see beacons morph uh, beacons when they first came out were Battery-operated devices, standalone devices. You're seeing beacons now being embedded into lighting infrastructure. Acuity, uh, GE, uh, mm-hmm. Philips are all investing in in, in big um, lighting beacon-type strategies and, and networks. You're seeing beacons embedded into digital displays and point-of-sale systems. Mm-hmm. So, anything that can be powered that has got Bluetooth uh, can become a beacon. Mm-hmm. And additionally, I think you'll see more IoT-based devices that. Um, We'll have beacon-like capabilities, but not necessarily the Bluetooth low energy. So I think at the end of the day, it's, it's going to be uh, a, a massive ecosystem and you're going to have a lot of competition between uh, different parties and, and probably more consolidation.
0: I'm going to wrap up now with final question, which is we're, predictions for the future. We're coming to the end of the third quarter of 2017. What are your predictions for the next year or, t- or so? we
2: are going to see a lot more connected devices. So this 50 billion connected device number may be, may be light. Uh, I personally have about 250 connected nodes in my house. A lot of them are, are light switches mm-hmm. and dimmers and uh, um, outlets, um, but I've connected up every every single node in my house. You're seeing um, Alexa really prol- proliferating. You're seeing Apple coming out with, mm-hmm. the, with the hub. Uh, more and more consumers are going to be embracing IoT. And it's these sensor-based technologies are just getting smaller and cheaper. You're going to see more uh, RFID-type tags that are out there. And, and not just RFID, but uh, Bluetooth-enabled tags, like what you're going to be working on mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. Um NFC-type tags. And I, and I think you're going to see a variety of these at price points that are going to make it uh, easy to start attaching these things to consumer products that help to close the loop on understanding uh, transactions, and I think you'll see uh, a variety of other other sensors, from light to um, to uh, Wi-Fi, fingerprinting, and everything, becoming more more mainstream. But I think you're going to see consumers getting smarter on the type of control and permissions and access they give, and they'll be willing to to provide more of that um, access and and permission-based control as long as there's a trust that's built and protected on that relationship between the consumer and the type of data that's being collected on them.
0: It's going to be fascinating. I think so. Brian Dunphy, VP of Business Development at Verve. Thanks so much for coming on the
2: show. Thank you so much for having me, Steve. Really appreciate it. And great luck to you at Williott.
0: Wonderful. Uh, So what music, if you're going to Mars, what music would you take with you? Oh, I'm a big music guy. Uh, actually, I prefer live concerts. But uh, yeah, if I was to go to
2: Mars, three, three very diverse um, songs that I would take with me. One would be uh, Black Sabbath Supernaught. Uh, really love that, the power of that song, and also the futuristic vision of it. Uh, it's one of the songs that I usually play on the radio on the, w- in, in, on the way into work to pump me up. So I would take that and, and blast off on the way to Mars. Uh, the other song is uh, by Soundgarden, "Outshine." Um, that song to me shows you how fragile it is to be on top of the world at one moment and how quickly you can be knocked off and, and, and start to have self-doubt. Uh, so it really kind of makes me think about keeping myself in check. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the lastly is a song that I actually have on Sonos that wakes me up every morning, which is U2's Beautiful Day. Uh, and that was one of the songs that we had in my in, in my wedding. And it's a song I just really enjoyed, the optimism of that song. And uh, reminding you to enjoy and appreciate the beauty of the world around you.
0: Those are great choices. I felt sure you would uh, have the Red Hot Chili Peppers in there.
2: <laughs> well, you only gave me a choice of three.
0: <laughs> but, you
2: know, Give It Away Now is probably one of my favorite, uh, favorite songs, especially when it comes to uh, emerging technology
0: yeah you do you do and um, all of this kind of reminds because we used to work together and I remember the first time we worked together we were working uh, with Universal Music Group and probably one of the highlights of my career was when they said what music do you like to both of us and I think we were both like need to what are all the UMG artists, and so we kind of did that. And then the, these big boxes of CDs arrived. This is back in the day. The big boxes of CDs of back all the CDs artists. CDs were invoked. Yeah. So that was really cool. Very good. Thanks very much. I really appreciate it, Steve. Thank you so much. All right.